Hey, we're back again for with uh, Big D's Party Palace with El Chicanya Presents Almost Live. I'm here with Ben Ami. Howdy. Sammy C, Sammy Carejo, and uh, my name is uh, Rich Wright. And uh, Sammy, we were talking last episode, we were talking about uh, special education out there in... Uh, S-I-S-D. Socorro, the Socorro ISD. You're saying those uh, special education kids aren't getting what they need? Nope, not getting what they need. And unfortunately, we as taxpayers are paying for it. You know, mm-hmm. the district is constantly saying that the the SPED department, you know, SPED program at SISD is the best in the city. And I go, wow, I hate to see the worst, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, too many parents have voiced their opinion saying, hey, my child is not getting the services that they require. And so... Just yesterday, there was a board meeting. I didn't get to attend, but I watched it on YouTube, you know. And uh, Mr. Aguayo, uh, he actually stood up and said, hey, you know what? I have a child uh, with special needs, and he's struggling. You know, uh, throughout the country, they're having shortages with teachers, right? But SPED mm-hmm. teachers are even harder. Why? Because it's, it takes a special type of person to sure it does. people with special needs, right? And unfortunately, here at SISD, uh, with already struggling with a number of teachers, the chief academic officer, Lucy Borrego, decided to eliminate those teachers who were not uh, bilingual certified. And you might say, well, we live in El Paso, 85%. You have to be certified, right? Well, the law states, here you go with the whole law thing, right? The law states that a child has to be with a teacher who is uh, certified bilingual. It doesn't say that every single teacher has to be certified oh, in bilingual mm-hmm. language. And you're like, okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, you've got teachers who've taught for 15 plus years. And they themselves say, you know what? I'm too old to learn a new language, you know? So maybe Mm -hmm. there's two teachers in the classroom? If there's two teachers and if one is certified and bilingual, that's it. They are in compliance. But unfortunately, this chief academic officer, no, didn't want that. So now you take from a a, a small pool of teachers and you make it even smaller. I Mm -hmm. I reckon that every special ed class has at least two teachers. Well, see, right now, some, some special classes don't even have a teacher. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's fire teachers then, right? Let's fire, yeah, that would make more sense. We don't have enough. Let's get rid of more. Right, fire. right, right. Let's make it harder for them. And so, and, and this is just SISD. I'm pretty sure everybody listening is saying, well, that's going on at my district. And if you're having that problem, get a hold of me. Because at the end of the day, I want to fix this problem for everybody here in El Paso County. Okay, or, or in this area, I, I'm a big advocate for children with special needs, and I just love going to the school board and just sticking my finger up in there and saying, "No, you're wrong. I know you've been elected. I know you sit in that awesome chair, but guess what? You have to follow rules and regulations just like everybody else. And when you're picking on kids with special needs, boy, there's a special place downstairs for you. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, um, so yeah. So right now, recently. Every single uh, SPED clerk was reassigned. So a SPED clerk works with the uh, the diagnosticians, right? Mm-hmm. What was happening? Well, what happened is when they made that position. First of all, those clerks had access to all the medical information on every single child. Well, it, it, it's kind of like yeah, HIPAA. HIPAA, yeah, exactly, kind of like HIPAA. It's called, it's called FERPA, mm-hmm. right? Self-federal regulations. Okay. 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 So. They were not in compliance. But like, but like everybody else, well, we've been doing it for years. Why all of a sudden, and they weren't fired. They, they didn't get demoted, but they were reassigned. But a lot of these clerks have been working with kids with special needs for many years. 
you know, it takes a special person to work with people mm-hmm. with special needs. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, they get rid of them. They weren't told why. They were just saying, oh, the position was illegal. No, the position wasn't illegal. The position was just not being done correctly. But if you ask, okay, well, why was that position done the way it was? Well, it starts at the top. Who's the one who made that position? Who is the leader or the head of that department who didn't realize that they were violating federal law? That's the director of the SPED program, and that's Dr. Jensen. Was there some kind of waiver to, because there was obviously a staffing issue there. Oh, was wait, there no you, like waiver to, for the clerk? Oh, wait. So you, you, you're asking if they tried to figure out a solution to make it right? Yeah. No. Why, why would they do that? <laughs> why, would they do that? why would they do that, Ben? <laughs> it's not like they're yeah, educated people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was that simple. I mean, mm-hmm. Ben, I've known you for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. right? And you don't know me from Ben, right? <laughs> and all those things like, well, why didn't they try to figure something out? Hello. It's that easy. But unfortunately, because of egos, they don't do that. Because then Dr. Jensen is going to have to admit that she did something wrong. And Mm -hmm. she allowed something wrong to happen under her watch. And we're not going to have that. Mm -hmm. And that's my problem. You know, like I said earlier, you don't have to like me to work with me. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to work with you anyway, Sammy. And and, and obviously, you don't like me. This guy made me park like three blocks down. He gave me the wrong address. He should have waited for the shuttle. He would have come by. He would have come by. The bad thing is he said there was a shuttle. There's no shuttle. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was asking for gas money. (laughs) Anyway. But so so these clerks are gone. Now the diagnosticians are having to work harder, which takes away time from who? The students. Mm -hmm. So people don't realize that. It's not just, oh, we just replaced you. We, we, We put you in different positions no it affects at the end of the day it affects the kids and that's Mm -hmm. the problem with the school boards if they they have removed the children from education it's all about the mighty dollar it's all about the Mm -hmm. hey how much am i going to get paid for this contract that i'm going to give you you know what i mean and and it's really frustrating so i i've dedicated what the last two years going to the school boards and just analyzing their financials, taking a look at their contributions, taking a look at everything and trying my best to say, hey, we're not going to do this. But just within the last six months, this whole thing with the SPED program has just hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And when Mr. Aguayo asked for help from the superintendent and the superintendent, oh, we're already doing what we're going to do. That's not right. So, uh, Mr. Aguayo, if you're listening, anybody's listening, please give me a call. I want to get all, as many parents as I can. And not just SISD. I want to get parents from all El Paso County together, sit them down, and get you guys in contact with some uh, legal assistance. You want to give them your phone number? Or none? Hold on, hold on. No, I was checking if it had words. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Please, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can call 915-633-4724. And people might say, why do you want to give your number out? I'm a realtor. Realtors are telephone <laughs> horse. Yeah. Our phone number is everywhere. And, you know, I do a little bit of, uh, you know, side work investigating stuff. And uh, I had to call a realtor in, in Washington. He goes, how'd you get my number? I said, boy, you're a realtor. <laughs> it's right, every, obvious, right? It's obvious. I, I saw it on a bus stop, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bus is passing by, so I'm not worried about it. I have had that cell phone number for at least 15 years. So please feel free to give me a call. If you want to do it anonymous, I have no problem doing that. You want to send me a text message, that's fine. Uh, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that the parents are aware of what their rights are. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times it goes, oh, we have rights, but if you don't tell them what they are, you really can't fight for them. You know oh, they just roll over them. Yeah, you they know? just roll right over them. And they say the law, what law? Plus, you know the law. What law? The law. You know, the all-encompassing law. No, man, you, you, you actually have to know, like, you know, Ben over here said HIPAA. I said, no, FERPA. Like, 
sound like we drank yeah, too much beer, right? We drank <laughs> too much beer. We're burping. But no, the better, the more information you know. Mm-hmm. I always say knowledge is power, and I want to mm-hmm. empower people. So if mm-hmm. I can teach people what to do, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to benefit them, the kids. But I always tell people, my goal is to talk myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that fat guy, uh, you know, talking at the school board all the time. So people say, well, lose weight. Now, oh, my goal, <laughs> my goal is to teach people so they can stand up for themselves. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And at the end of the day, that's my goal, is to get people to stand up more and defend themselves and not just rely on one person, you know? What if something for happens sure. to me? What if I walk three blocks to my car and I get jumped in this beautiful neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you no, know, no, so. you're, you're on my word here, bro. I talked to him. You're cool. You're cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got green light. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, you know what this, uh, what, what is this place called? Big D Palace? I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. It's awesome. You know, this, I mean, you guys mm-hmm. should see this here, man. It's gold floors, right? <laughs> <laughs> Diamond doorknobs. That's carved leather. That's carved leather on the floor, bro. Sheila. Carved leather. Uh, uh, best uh, waitress in town. Yeah. Yeah. Old Sheila. Hold on, hold on. Hey, Sheila, give me have a double. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, no. And, and you know what? And I want to thank you for opening your doors to me. Uh, uh-huh. You know, we're kind of Glad joking. To have you. Glad to have he, you. He called me, says, hey, Sammy, what are you doing on Thursday? He goes, I have this podcast. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I found out he had no other guest. <laughs> One of his co-hosts was missing. And he found a card on the floor. And he called me. So I said, no, yeah. we have guests sometimes. Usually we phone them up. Oh, really? We call yeah, them up. Yeah, a lot yeah, better yeah. in person, though. It's a lot better in person. You yeah. know what? And, and you actually gave me that choice. I said, you want to do it on a phone or in person? But I, I kind of said this earlier. I'm a disabled veteran. I can't hear very well. Uh-huh. And my wife yells too loud at home. And <laughs> <laughs> shut up, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> so I that's why I say, you know what, let's do it in person. But you cool. know what? Sometimes we need that human touch. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be able to see sure, people. Sure, sure. So sure. I appreciate you allowing me to come inside and, and, and speak with you guys on your podcast. So you've been to Juarez lately? I'm actually yes, I've been to Juarez lately. I actually do work in Juarez as well. I advocate for kids, period. Uh-huh. Uh, whether mm-hmm. you know Paso and Juarez, stuff that we're at, I'm actually going to be in Juarez the 21st, 2nd, 23rd. I'm actually going to be escorting a camera crew from Victory News. With, uh, I mean, you guys might have heard of that small movie that just came out. What's it called? What's it called? The Sound of Freedom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that Victory News? Victory, well, no, that's not them. But they're coming in here to do a story on human trafficking. Right on. And mm-hmm. so I do some work over in Juarez. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of partnered up with... My buddy, his name is Jose Luis Castillo, about two and a half years ago. And uh, he dedicates his time in uh, investigating all the, uh, the missing and murdered women in Juarez, all the femicides. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's like a full time job for 40 people. It, you know what? He's been doing it for 14 years. Unfortunately, he lost his daughter 14 years ago. Wow. And uh, he hasn't found her. And he knows that the, as time goes by, the chances of, of finding her are, are less. But he has found so many other daughters and sons for, for their families and he says it's not my daughter but at least it it helps him heal mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he has taken that sadness away from for sure. from other family members because a lot of times family members get to the point I mean we're talking about Mexico corruption you know mm-hmm. call the police they killed her well it might have been the police you yeah, know right? I was going to say that yes absolutely um, man with this is crew, than he looks I love this guy this crew that you're going to take down there you know you, uh, go ahead spit it out Ben you know who, who you ask the questions of uh, could get you in some hot water. You know what's funny the is that police, no, the, the, of which. we're not going to those showers, the, the baths. <laughs> which oh, no, 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 right. no, uh, no, he doesn't know about the baths. Baños Roma. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no I don't know that. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, that's a different story. But see, being over there, um, this is the second time 
this year that I take an organization. Uh, I think in March, we took uh, Jocko Boyens. Jocko Boyens is at the national level. He fights human trafficking. His mm-hmm. sister was uh, kidnapped at the age of 14, and they found her at the age of 18. He's originally from South Africa. Came over to the States, you know, they, they, they uh, uh, kidnapped found, his daughter. Found her alive? Found her alive. She was wow. in the sex trade, and he's dedicated his life to do that. And wow. so he got a hold of one of my buddies. My buddies go, hey, you want to go mess around in Juarez a little bit? But then he realized how I work in Juarez, and now he's hired me. and says, no, you're the man. He's former law enforcement. You know, El Paso's his thing. When we go to Juarez, that's me. Because I don't walk over there like a badass. <laughs> I actually walk over there like a smartass, believe it or not. Huh. My well, jokes is what's kept, Mexico, it's, it's, it's kept me alive. I mean, I've been in situations sure. where, uh, you know, the stuff could hit the fan, and I could either be dead, or I could crack some jokes in. Yeah, so I've got green light just because of being a smartass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, so I was down there where when all the uh, Venezuelans were here. I literally embedded myself with them because I went over there. I said, hey, I don't agree with you being here legally. Hey, but you're here, right? And a lot of times I would gravitate towards the ones that had small kids. Why? Because I'm there to protect kids. And, and I would laugh at them. i say, hey, you're cool and all, but I'm here for your kids. They're like, huh? And then I would explain to them, you know what? You guys are coming over here. You guys have inventory. Because right. these people come over, and I, didn't, I always wonder, why don't they have any money? Why? Because they get robbed all the time. Sure. So they only can have a little bit of money, and then they're constantly being sent money by their family members. There's a new surge now of Venezuelans in uh, Juarez. Mm-hmm. I mean, like after uh, Title, what was it, 48? Title, 42. 42. Title 42. After Title 42 expired, uh, for a long time there weren't any Mm-hmm. Not very many Venezuelans over there. And now they're over there again. I was over there yesterday. Were you? Okay. So I'm going to be there on Monday. Um, but see, that w- when all that happened, so I was in a couple of meetings with some big shots, you know, dealing with, with uh, border security. And when they hired all these border patrol agents and the guards, they weren't here to stop them. They were here just to process them. They wanted them to get them out, right? Right. So they came in and they got them out. I was actually interviewing them. And... The problem with it is they were told, okay, you're processed. Here's your appointment. We'll call you, right? Well, if you took a look at the documents, most of them weren't filled properly. Okay? I mean, you, you know how the government works. Even when right. all the paperwork done right, <laughs> they screw stuff up. I was sitting there with them at Sacred Heart Church, and I'll get to that later. That's a whole different subject. And you'll sit with them, and every single one of them had a different story. I had this one gentleman. He was 60, about 60 years old. He had been caught and his with his grandson. They were separated. He couldn't find his grandson. He asked me to help find him. 60-year-old man. You could tell he wasn't a gang member or anything like right. that. He was there with his mm-hmm. grandson. He had a monitor on his ankle. They had a cell phone. Now, the cell phone you can't use for anything. You can't call anywhere. You just call whenever they tell you to. I think you have to call like two or three times a day. And you have to be on camera to know that it's you, right? Wow. Then next to him was this gang member looking guy and it was funny because he admitted it and he laughed and I said well what do you have he goes nothing just this piece of paper and it wasn't filled out completely he didn't even have an address where he was going to be in New Jersey they just said New Jersey and so he starts making fun of the 60 year old man and I, I, I can't remember the term but he used a, a Venezuelan term for for hoodlum I go what does that mean he goes they only give it to hoodlums and I look at him and he goes man that's messed up he goes no because that's how messed up the system is he goes look at me I didn't get the, the monitor all that stuff yet he did it was why and then every single one of them their documents were all different they all had different instructions and that's just because a lot of these these customs agents got complacent and they were ordered to just get them through quickly 
but they're not doing them any favors because right. they're going to be lost in the system. They're going to be waiting for that call and they're not going to get it. You know what I mean? So I, I, I know a lot about them. I was there with them, speaking with them in mm-hmm. Spanish. And, 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 and it was funny because they'd see me and they started picking on me, those little... You spend so much time with them that you're cool with them, right? And, and you know, I've said it a couple times, you know, I, I, may, I can lose a 20, 30 pounds. And <laughs> but so they said, hey, you know what? You need to go on the the uh, the jungle diet. I said, the jungle diet? What is that? Is it like the subway diet? Is like this? He goes, yeah, uh, no. You go through the jungle three or four days without eating, and then you'll come out a whole lot thinner. Right. And I'm like, damn, you sons of... <laughs> No, whenever whenever I talk to those uh, Venezolanos over there, I ask them about the Darien Gap, which is the jungle they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's the gap where there's no highway, no infrastructure between Colombia and Panama, and uh, it's a mess, you know. And uh, people die there. They, yeah, I they, ask them. I ask them. Uh, yeah, did you see a lot of dead people? Oh yeah. They, I mean, they tell me, yeah, you know, father was with his son, eight year old died. And he doesn't want to leave him there. You can't take him because there's all sorts of mud and everything sure. sliding. Mm-hmm. And all you could do was put leaves over him, you know. And then uh, there was a mother there crossing the river, was a Chinese lady. And her daughter was falling, grabbed him, and they found them later, both holding hands. They had drowned, you know. It's just so many stories. When, tragic, mm-hmm. When the first tragic. time I went over there, they called the La Niña de la Patineta, you know, the little girl with a scooter. Uh-huh. And she was going everywhere. Like, why was everybody taking care of her? Because her mother died. Wow. So she was by herself now. I was like, what? And so I would mm-hmm. go over there and I would talk to her, you know, try to do what I can. Because once again, I gravitate towards kids, making sure that nobody was going to abuse her. Now, there are several of them who tell you, hey, you know what? We're all from Venezuela, but we're all humans, which means what? There's good, bad, and they're ugly, you know? Sure. And so they had mm-hmm. to take care of themselves because even some of the immigrants that were with them were using drugs. Stuff. I mean, you saw that guy that they got busted for, for marijuana? The guy with the afro, the big old thing? I you didn't see him, no. Well, so you see it on the news that two guys got arrested, right? And so they got deported. So I go over to Juarez with my buddy Castillo, and I'm talking to the Venezuelans, and all of a sudden, I see this big afro. I said, hey, come over here. <laughs> yes, sir. He goes, were you the one? No, sir. It wasn't me. It wasn't. He kept saying no, and then all of a sudden, his buddy comes over, and I recognize him, too. I'm like, yeah, that was us. I said, what? <laughs> it's not fair. Why do they always come? Uh, the cops always come at me, and this and that. I said, maybe because you're wearing marijuana paraphernalia. <laughs> you have this big old afro. <laughs> if you don't want to be caught and, I was able to talk to him as a human being. I said, hey, you messed mm-hmm. up. Wow. And then he started talking about, well, marijuana is legal in this state and this. I said, wait, well, hey, but you're not here legally. I said, if you want to get picked on, cut that big afro, you know? <laughs> and no one had ever told me. I said, I'm not going to talk crap to you. I'm just going to tell you, hey, if you don't like the way you're treated, you know, make your profile a little bit smaller, you know? Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, when I was talking to those guys, you guys saw how those, what, uh, 23, 30-something um, immigrants were burned to death? Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys who started the fire. No way, really? Yeah. Well, one of them's getting charged. If he started the fire, one of them's getting charged in Mexico. So I, I spoke to the cousin, and not a lot of people know the true story. But what happened is that, not the guy with the fro, but the other guy, he wanted um, water. You know what I mean? They weren't giving him any water. Now, unfortunately, there's corruption everywhere, even in those detention centers. So the guards would, you know, sell them cigarettes or sell them lighters. Well, this guy says, hey, we haven't had water in so much time. We haven't had any water. And the guards are like, whatever. You guys are immigrants. I don't care about you. So the guy says, well, if I start this mattress on fire, they have to open the door, right? Well, they didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, they burned to death. You know, so I always tell a lot of people, well, I have the right to do this, right? Or they can't do that. Well, they're not supposed to. 
Don't ever make a decision based on what somebody else is supposed to or not supposed to do. And so the fire was going. They were making calls to see if they could let him go. On the other side, where the females were, the female guard said, screw that and just let the women out. That's why no women and children died. But the guards at the, at the male detention center were not going to open until they were authorized to. So that's why. Well, you they said they called the head of the, I think it was the state head of the uh, yeah. immigration. And he said, nah, don't open it. Right. Don't let him yeah. out. Yeah. 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 And, and so I spoke to them. Brutal. It, it is brutal. And so, you know how they were sitting right there behind Presidencial? You know, they were, they were, they put yeah. up the, the yeah. uh, all the kettles and everything. So I was there with them, speaking with them and stuff like that. You actually, you have to embed yourself with somebody, whether you agree with it or not, to better understand, right? So it's not black and white, you know I mean? There's a lot of gray area. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is a lot of these people were, were lied to. And I asked them, what made you come to the United States? We want a better life. And I would say, ah, oh, shut the hell up. Because, Excuse me, sir? I said, that's such a generic answer. Well, sir, um, when the news asks us, that's all we can say. Do I look like the news? You tell me why you're here. And all of a sudden, it actually started opening up. And a lot of them were like, you know what? Socialism doesn't work anywhere. And they start talking about all this stuff. And I said, wow, do you know what brought you over here? This is what? A lot of people have the idea of the United States being the capitalist, beautiful place, right? But they don't realize that everywhere you have little pockets of stuff. And so when I started telling them is who wants them over here, they're like, but it didn't work over in our country. I said, well, just be aware of it. And a lot of them would tell me, goes, we're over here to make money to send back home. A lot of us don't even want to stay here. I said, so why do you risk your lives then? And they sit there and they're like, well, we had to do something. And it's right. sad. It is sad because a lot of them aren't educated and stuff like that. Twenty percent of the population of Venezuela has left the country. Twenty yes. percent. One in five. Twenty percent. And I might have met like fifteen of them. Fifty <laughs> percent. It was just so many of them. They were coming, mm-hmm. and it was weird because they'd sit there for months, you know, and and you'd see them, and they're like, "Señor, señor," you know, or something. Like, Oiga, gordo. I'm like, and then they'd always ask me, "Oiga, no tiene un dólar." Oiga, right. me quiere preguntar algo. You don't tiene trabajo, and I would go. I said, man, you're the first Venezuelan to ask me in the last six months. And they all start laughing. <laughs> I said, good Lord, man. Because of you, I don't have a dollar and right. I don't even have a job anymore. You guys took, and they laughed. Because everybody just talks crap to whether you agree with them or not. They would just talk down to them. And when I was there, I would make them laugh. I go, you know what? You guys are probably in the worst time of your life. You probably haven't laughed in a while. I said, so I'm going to talk crap to you. And they're like, we like you. You know, and I was able to blend in with them. And, and you know, a lot of people, you touch them, you get around them. I said, yeah, why not? You know, they're like, but they smell. I said, you know, they don't take a shower for three or four days. And I took my son with me, my nine-year-old. I go, neither does he. He goes, that's <laughs> And that's why they came to me, because I knew their situation. They're human. You know what right. I mean? But, sure. but when I would see them doing some stuff, I'm like, hey, man. I said, you're sitting here crying, but yet you're doing this. Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say they're all good. They're all bad. We're all human. But yeah, I would get out there and laugh with them, joke with them, and, and, and try to try to educate them and say, hey, you know what? They told you, you come over here, and all of a sudden, you're going to find all these jobs, and everything's going to be great. I actually embedded myself with one of the families. I'm still in contact with them. They're in New Jersey. And sure enough, one of them found a job. The other three can't find a job. They're going right. to end up moving to, I think he said, uh, Cincinnati, because there's too they, much Border Patrol in, in, oh. in New Jersey now, because... They tend to go where other people like them live, right? Sure. So mm-hmm. they all want to go to New Jersey or New York. New York, yeah. And, and so, of course, Mexicans will go to, you know, Arizona, California, stuff like that. Cubans, oh, yeah, chico, oh, yeah, coño. They'll go to Florida, right? No, right. But right now, they're all trying to make their way up to New Jersey. And so I stay in contact with them because they had a little two-year-old boy, Alan. Uh, turned out when I met him, they said they were his parents. But as they got comfortable with me, turned out that that wasn't their son. That was their nephew. 
I, that's when we were with Jocko Boyens. The next day, I went to my buddy, you know, to pick up my paycheck, and I saw him on the street, and I yelled out, Alan! And the uncle grabbed him, like, what? I said, I just saw you guys on the border yesterday. And he goes, look, this is my sister. And they literally handed the little boy to the mother. I felt much better. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. they'll tell you, oh, this and that, next thing you know, yeah. you never know yeah. what happened to the child. But I was able to see that child being handed over to the mother, and I'm still in contact with them in New cool. Jersey. Well, that's great. You're doing a real service. Hey, you've mm-hmm. been listening to uh, El Chiquenya Presents Almost Live here from Big D's Party Palace. We're here with special guest, Sammy Carejo. Ay, caray. And Benami. Uh, Ay, carajo. Ay, carajo. And uh, my name is Rich Wright, and we'll be back soon. Perhaps, someday, maybe. And uh, we'll have to bring uh, Sammy back, too. Sure. Huh? I mean, I, sure. sounds like he's got a lot more to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. See you soon.